Hey, good news for all the fans of real-life content because Discovery Plus is finally here. With Discovery Plus, you get full access to more than 20,000 episodes of the best real-life content from TLC, Asian Food Network, HGTV, Food Network, Investigation Discovery, Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, and more to watch anytime, anywhere. And all of this, 129 pesos a month lang. Can you believe that? All you need to do is go to discoveryplus.com ph and hit that subscribe button. Download the Discovery Plus app via either the App Store or the Google Play Store, and you can enjoy Discovery Plus, the home of real-life entertainment. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. So the story of Mighty Robo V, or the plot of it, is we are a part of a government agency called the Philippine Giant Monsters. Oh my gosh, I forgot. PGMDA. But we are a branch of the government. And basically, when monsters come up from either the sky or the sea, huge monsters, kaiju, which we're not allowed to say anymore, apparently, uh, we are the ones who face these monsters and beat them. But just like any other government agency, there are sketchy things happening. So we're borrowing a lot of money and um, for for short films, around 20 minutes each. Then uh, Q Cinema gave a grant, I believe, or gave some money to people who want to make their films so that they can continue with production during the pandemic but i believe they made it short films because of the pandemic you know the restrictions and all of that and um working on mighty robo v was one of the most fun times i've ever worked on set ever so the way this started was first of all Almost everyone in the cast, except for Nami and Rachel, the two ladies, all the comedians in the cast have been on my pod. Oh, wait, GB hasn't been here on Tawalets. We're going to fix that. But um, most of the comedians who are there in that movie, in that film with me, I've had on the podcast before. In fact, Miko Livello, who is the one of the directors of this film. So there are two directors. There's Miko Livello and then there's Mick Vergara. Miko, I also met during the pandemic, uh, in, through the podcasting industry. And it's really funny because we met because we interviewed him for a horror film. And then I found him so funny and he's directed a lot of comedy films. So I decided to have him on Tawalets. And then I found out he was the student of my dad. And, you know, we, we had a lot to talk about in common. And then it just seemed like, a really fun idea to work with him. So when he approached me and asked me, oh, wow, they're dogs. Shh. Sorry, guys. It's usually quiet here. I don't know what that was about. Anyway, um, when he approached me to work on this, he specifically said he wanted me to be a part of the project because they wanted to have a lot of improv on the show. And this was something so new to me because I know that improv has made its way to TV and mainstream cinema in the U.S. Not so much here. Not here at all, actually, if you think about it. Everything here is, well, we do have bubble gang and stuff like that. But to get an actor 
from the improv theater scene, specifically to do improv on set. For me, that was something new. Uh, maybe it's been done before, but I, it was the first I heard of it. And they wanted it to be, they explained that they wanted it to be a mockumentary, sort of like The Office and, you know, Parks and Recreation, stuff like that, which I found so fun because hearing about how improv has penetrated TV and film in America, I always got really jealous. I wanted that. For many, many years. I've been doing improv since 2006. There was, this was something that Spit, my improv group and I had discussed long ago. And, um, basically it is a fulfillment of our improv dreams for improv to be recognized as something separate that you can bring onto set. You know what I mean? I feel like now the art of improv is starting to become respected and more known in mainstream media, which is amazing. Wow, I went on a tangent there. So yeah, Miko asked me to be a part of it because he wanted it um, to have a lot of improv. And then Mick, I met Mick years ago. Mick is, okay, his brother is actually my friend. So I've known him for a while. And um yeah, it was just, it was really nice working um, alongside these two directors. They were very, first of all, very kind. I grew up thinking that directors on set were always the older directors who would scream at you if you made a mistake. I heard nasty rumors about <laughs> some of the studio directors and the way they treat their actors. So, I mean, I didn't think that Miko and Mick would be like that necessarily, but it was so nice to have, you know, very kind people basically telling us, okay, do whatever you want. These are the action points. These are the important keywords that you have to say, but otherwise do whatever you want. That kind of creative liberty on a set is so amazing. It's so crazy. And you can tell that everybody in the cast had such an amazing time working with each other. We actually all became really close. We have a chat group. We talk quite a bit. It's really fun. So like I said, almost everyone on the set, well, sorry, everyone in the cast has been on the podcast. So McCoy Dubs is a part of this movie and it was so fun working with him because we've chatted before, but to work with one of your friends, it's so much fun. Also, Red Oliero, Red and I have, it's so funny, Red and I got close during the pandemic because he was my first interview when lockdown began. And then after that, because we kind of knew who the other was for a long time, I've known who he was since maybe 2010. And mutual, like he know, okay, that's Aaron from Improv. I'm like, oh, okay, Red, stand-up comedian. We've known each other for a while. But when we started talking, we kind of found it weird na, ah, hindi pala tayo nag-uusap dati. So it is that kind, it's that kind of, of friendship. And um, again, to work with him, we discussed it before in passing about stand-up comics and improv actors working together. And here it was. Here it was. James Karaan and GB Labrador. I've only heard of them also in passing because the cool pals, I mean, everybody who listens to podcasts knows who the cool pals are. So getting to meet them in person 
was also something that I really wanted to do. I think that was the only circle of stand-up comics that I hadn't gotten to meet yet. Because I don't know if you know, but I work with like Sila Alex Calleja. So there's there are different branches of Comedy Manila. And the cool pals, I had not met all of them before. So it was so fun on set, uh, meeting Nami and Rachel. I believe Nami is a first-time actress here. She plays the Japanese pilot, Sachiko. And the whole time she was uh, speaking in Japanese. Also, Rachel Coates is part of Pearl Next Door. She's a theater actress. So it was so fun. The vibes of the entire cast were totally different because Nami and Rachel are in their early to mid-twenties. Uh, Late-twenties, si Mahoy. Red and I are mid-range thirties. Then we have GB and James who are a little of the higher age. Of the higher age? I don't know how to say it without people getting offended. I'm not calling them old. It's just that we are all of different stages in life. Yeah, that's what I'd like to say. So working on this, first of all, the concept, I'm not going to spoil it, right? But the whole gist of the movie is just so silly. And it meant so much to me. My mom brought it up. My mom watched the film last night. Uh, I, I'm not sure if by the time this comes out, you can still stream it. But anyway, my mom was actually, this is a fun fact. I keep delaying. This is a fun fact. My mom put herself through college at 19 years old. By being the voice of Little John in Voltes Five, A lot of my friends know this. She was also, I don't know who the characters were, but she was also in Mekanda Robot and Daimos. So basically back then during the martial law era, when these cartoons were showing, um, she would tell me stories about how they would dub, which was basically, they, it wasn't an official studio. It was a small TV screen. And then they had to watch the mouths of the characters. And then they had to pass around one microphone. All these voice actors had to voice these characters by passing around a microphone. Isn't that so crazy? Um, so yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm off track. My mom put herself through college by doing that. And Voltes Five was such an iconic cartoon back then. In fact, in the other short films, Sorry, in one of the other short films, part of this Q cinema, they talk about how Voltes Five was taken off air before the ending was revealed. So a lot of people were very pissed. But knowing that my mom was one of the voices, I actually had inside chismis about all of that. So bear with me, guys. This is this is stories from my mom. Okay, but I'm pretty sure it's true. So Voltas Five was not actually censored by the government. A lot of people think that it was, but it was censored because there was a very aggressive woman's Catholic group that was very against Voltas Five. I wish I could get you the details, but it was basically this this religious group and my mom said they were the type of group that just wouldn't shut up and they were always in the media and stuff like that so that's when they decided to take it off air it wasn't because they were censoring it was because there was a religious group that wouldn't leave the government alone or or whatever branch of government that had to deal with that wouldn't leave them alone so there a little trivia 
about the Vault S5 thing. So it's so nice, <laughs> going back to my point. Shh, the dogs are barking again. Okay, back to my point. The reason why this means so much to me is because knowing that my mom was a voice of Vault S5, and I'm in a Vault S5 parody kind of as an actor, it kind of felt like a full circle kind of experience. Even my mom, my mom was like, wow, it's so nice to see you act in something like this, knowing that I used to voice for something like this. So it's extra special for me. So the basic gist of the movie is we are a government branch dedicated to killing giant monsters when they come to the Philippines. And because we are in the Pacific Ring of Fire, a lot of monsters automatically attack us. And so this is the branch of government that deals with that. But just like all the branches of government, <laughs> as we've seen in the past years or so, there's dubious behavior. And so there are a lot of problems. And for the sake of transparency, they were sent a documentary crew to check out what goes on in our branch, the PGMDA. So this is really just like a the office kind of setting. So what is it like in an office that has pilots for a robot that deals with giant monsters? I think the fact that most of us are in comedy made it so easy for us to just build off each other. But also working with stand-up comics on set for the first time, it was very interesting for me to see their brains at work. So I'm always with improv actors. I teach, right? And I'm with Spit. I talk to Spit at least three times a week on Zoom. The way we operate and the way we do our scenes is just, you know, we just do it. We just do it after the scene is done. Oh, well, that was fun. But I remember talking to GB and he said something funny. It was something improvised. He said something funny. And then I saw his brain at work because when they said cut, he was repeating the line that he said, that improvised line in different ways to make it a joke with a beginning, middle and end. And I found that so fascinating. I wish I could remember what he said, but you could see his brain at work that he was formulating that joke so that he can say it again in a better way. Galing, galing. Different, different brains, different brains. Another thing I found so fun is, so the director that was with us on set was Mick. And <laughs> when we would shoot scenes, first of all, I said earlier that they're so lenient. What Mick would do was he had the script and then he'd be like, okay, guys, uh, this is your scene. Read through it. Read the script. Okay, now don't follow those lines. What? <laughs> that for me was so liberating. Basically, he just said, these are the key points that you need to say and then say whatever you want. So when you see the movie, the lines that we're saying, most of it, just comes from the top of our head. Or Mick was interviewing us with questions that we did not we did not know beforehand. So it's just us talking as our character. Isn't that so interesting? I know that Brillante Mendoza does that, but you know, not comedy. It's very interesting. Very interesting for me 
to be doing that on set. After having seen the movie last weekend, I personally think everyone is brilliant in the way that they delivered for this movie. It was so much fun to see. And it's such a different experience. This is my first movie. Allow me to be excited. It was so exciting to see how they made our set look on film. So I remember, I remember what the studio looked like exactly. I remember where each room was. But when I watched the movie, it, it was amazing for me. The, the magic of the VFX and the movie industry. I'm easily impressed. After having seen it, the cast and crew got a little clingy, I feel. All of us are planning things like can we hang out can we have a christmas party and i think that is also one of the shining what do you call it silver linings of working with people that you like suddenly you have a new set of friends suddenly you have a barcada and it's because you shared something so wonderful together and again like i said this was always a dream of mine to be able to work and improvise on set. And I really think that this year or these coming years, it's really going to be so much fun in the comedy scene because now everyone is banding together. Now everyone, you know, we all got to know each other a little more. We got to work with each other. So I feel like the comedy community is getting tighter and because of that, I can just imagine what it's going to be like when we go into live shows again, face-to-face -face shows, because the support for each and every other comedian will now come together because we all know each other and we all work together. We're all going to be supporting each other. So I'd like to encourage all the listeners. I don't know if it's still going to be streaming by the time this episode comes out, but I say it all in almost every episode support local comedy because look we're all coming together we're all working together it's all about collaboration now it's not a competition and this is exactly the kind of comedy environment that i dreamed of being in i've heard really nasty things about the comedy communities abroad about how everything is you're pitted against each other uh, competitions you're kind of like what do you call it fighting each other for gigs and stuff like that but now over the past year over the pandemic actually if that if there is one thing that the pandemic brought that is good in my life speaking from my experience it's that it gave people more of a reason to band together. Everybody's so isolated. Everyone's bored. Everyone wants to do something. And because we were all isolated, we sought out people who are kind of like us, who probably share the same likes, the same values. And so now it's so nice. The comedy community, we're all very supportive of each other. If there's any animosity, I don't know about it and I don't want to be a part of it. But from what I see and from the people I've worked with, it looks like everyone's just going to enjoy working together. So guys, 
I'm just saying I have really, really high hopes for the comedy industry in the next coming years. Not just for the stand-ups, not just for the improvisers, also for the online content creators. You know what I mean? Online content creators are becoming so big now and it's just nice. I feel like comedy collaboration is going to be key for the next few years. So yeah, that's all I have to say. I hope you guys enjoyed my rambling. I've been rambling a lot nowadays. I know, I know. I'm going to be coming up with a few more segments for this podcast, trying stuff out. So let's see how that goes. And I really hope that you enjoyed listening to me talk about Mighty Robo V. It was so much fun. So thanks, guys. Please check out the description of this episode again. Uh, check out the links, the affiliate links. Use my links. You know, use my links. And I will, you will hear from me again next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more info on the shows and the network, visit Podcast Network Asia's social media or visit www.podcastnetwork.asia. Also by Podmetrics. Track your podcast stats across multiple platforms to have a full view of your audience and clout. Sign up and create your account for free at podmetrics.co using our code TAWALETS. Thank you so, so much for joining me on another episode of Tawalets. Really, guys, I appreciate that you are listening to this. It's insane. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.